What's going on, my friends? Today's podcast is an interview between the CEO of Send Gym. His name's Daniel Dixon and yours truly, me. Uh, what we're going to talk about is still kind of on the coronavirus topic, still getting flooded with questions. There's still a lot of uncertainty and there's some really powerful uh, new things for you to think about in today's episode. Uh, so after the intro, it will just start rolling. We're going to cover, you know, how to reframe your offers, change your language patterns uh, regarding, you know, marketing during the crisis. We're going to talk about a three-step process to triage your problems. We talk about the psychological impact that this is all going to have on people and how to avoid, you know, falling into a PTSD-like state, you know, after the crisis fades away. We're going to talk about how to identify new opportunities that still do exist for you, even if it doesn't seem like you can see them right now. We're gonna talk about the big scary monster. I think that'll be really helpful for some people and a bunch of other awesome stuff. So I hope you enjoy, I hope you're holding in there and we'll talk to you very soon. Here we go. I'm Josh and my mission is simple. I teach tens of thousands of home service business owners like you how to grow a profitable seven figure business. Every week I deliver mind bombs and systems designed to help you gain mastery over marketing, admin, production and sales inside your company. Each week I'll open up the vault so you can finally take hold of the life and business you deserve. There is only one thing between where you are today and where you wanna be and that is the growth you're willing to endure. You're in the right place. Welcome to the Growth Vault. Hey guys, I'm, uh, I'm going live here with Josh Latimer, co-founder of Sin Gym. Uh, super excited to have you here, Josh. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, what's up? Are you in lockdown in uh, the great state of Tennessee? Uh, the state hasn't, but uh, our city of Franklin has locked us down. So we are all working from home. Please excuse my uh, nice office, our bedroom here. <laughs> and um, yeah, so Josh, I just wanted to, you know, pick your brain as the co-founder of Syngym. I know you've you've got this massive, you know, world-renowned home service business podcast, maybe the biggest out there, um, which by the way, you should get like a Guinness Book of World Records thing or something for that. <laughs> then, uh, Cleaning business podcast record. I that hey, I'll take it. That'd be fun. That would be fun. Uh, but also, just wanted to pick your brain about like what small businesses should be doing. I know you're connected to to thousands of small businesses. What whether that's through Syngym or the Growth Fall, Automate, Grow, Sell. I know you're also a Conquer Coach. So wanted to see what you're seeing out there and uh, just get any advice that you're giving to business owners. I know our industry's been heavily impacted to say the least. Um, there's a lot of people out there that are, you know, potentially struggling and, and trying to stay optimistic. So I just wanted to start by asking, you know, what's the, what's the biggest thing that you're seeing and like what small businesses should be doing to prepare for that thing or, or work through that thing? Well, the, the most important thing people should do is to panic and to sell everything they own. I think that's step one. Um, step two is to blame everybody else and feel sorry for yourself. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> now, the, the pain is real and uh, it's really devastating for certain businesses right now. I think I told my wife yesterday, I said, you know, I don't think the economic impact of what's happening right now, when, when the smoke clears, I don't think the economic impact is going to be the worst part of it. I think it's going to be the psychological impact. Um, because what it's doing right now is it's affecting people's mindsets really heavily. And I, I get it. But I think it's important to point out that there is different ways you can look at situations, right? So if you have a, a, a large company and you're a high driver and you're just this crazy entrepreneur, that person is literally looking at this situation through one set of lenses 
while kind of like the, the majority of small business owners are looking at it through a different set of lenses that are more fear-based. And, and being optimistic in a time like this does not mean that you're disregarding the reality of what's happening. You can be optimistic and pragmatic at the same time. So what should people be doing? I think we need to examine our, our mindset around business in general, because people are gonna have like PTSD when it comes to hiring employees. <laughs> Next time it's time to hire employees when things ramp back up, they're gonna be so scared. Uh, there's a lot of lessons to be learned, but I think uh, examine your mindset, make sure that you're, you're, you're pushing pause on all the, the fear mongering and the, the fear porn that's all over the media. Uh, because they get paid through clicks, right? So they're trying to scare the crap out of everybody. It's making it worse. Uh, and just recognize that there's a subset of people that are looking for opportunities and moving towards opportunities. I can tell you right now, each vertical market is definitely impacted differently, but there's opportunities in all cases. The only way there's no opportunity is if you get totally paralyzed and you're doing nothing, uh, which would be a huge mistake, right? You don't want to get 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 totally paused and curl up in the fetal position so what those opportunities could look like i mean we could talk about them there's lots of different things we could talk about but i think protecting your mindset and not uh getting paralyzed is kind of like step one yeah uh, I love that. And I think that when you talk about opportunities, I know you're talking a lot about sales opportunities and I truly believe there's going to be a lot of pent up demand and we're going to come back with a boom from this, which is really exciting for, for us um, and, and helps at least me stay optimistic. And I also think there's a lot of employees when you talk about PTSD and firing and, and hiring, rehiring, there's going to be a lot of really, really good talent out there that's been laid off from the restaurant industry or whatnot, and they want to do something different. So mm -hmm. I won't comment on that because I want to get your thoughts, but I, I think you're right with um, all of those, you know, all of those things. Um, I know you're a, you're a conquer coach. Uh, what are some of the businesses specifically seeing and what are they being challenged with and are, how are you advising them to like handle some of those things? Well, we need to like, that's a big question. Let's break it into chunks. So the first thing people need to do on a practical level is they need to triage all the problems and we need to quantify the problem. So one of the mistakes people make is you feel, you feel overwhelmed and paralyzed and you feel terrified and you're full of fear. You feel these feelings. And so it, you create this Mount Everest in your brain, right? So the phone's ringing less, your employees are freaking out you just came out of the winter and you didn't have money. You were counting on having a big spring. And so you start to panic, which, you know, I get that, but we make, we construct this Mount Everest in our head. What we need to do first is triage things and, and quantify it. So what I mean is um, how big is the scary monster? For example, if a company normally does $50,000 a month in March and they're having to uh, lay off some of their team members and they're only going to do 25,000 in the month of March and they're trying to figure out the math, the emotional uh, weight of that could feel this big, but if we did like a, a cash flow analysis or we built out a 60 or 90 day plan and just looked at the math, like, okay, we're gonna you know, cut certain expenses, we're gonna lay some people off, we're gonna move this over here, move that over there, we're gonna slow pay this bill, whatever, like we move the chess pieces around. When you look at it, maybe you're gonna be you know, $5,000 short this month and maybe, $10,000 short next month. Let's just say in my fake example that that was the case. Yeah. Yeah. By quantifying the big scary monster, we realize, okay, we have a $15,000 problem, for example. And so it's not Mount Everest, it's a $15,000 problem. And when we actually have a, like a defined target, 
then we can start trying to solve the problem. But when people get paralyzed, they don't want to look at numbers. They don't want to look at their bank account. They're just freaking out. Um, it messes everything up. It may, in fact, it makes it a lot worse, right? So define the big scary monster so we can look at it. And then you'll realize it's not that scary and that it's a solvable problem. And then we take actions to solve the problem. There's still opportunities. I'll tell you, one of the big opportunities is going to be um, buying <laughs> equipment and other companies on the cheap a few months from now. Because a lot of people, you know, the service industries is a transient kind of group of industries. So people kind of come and go. So people buy a lawnmower, now they're a lawn care company. And people yeah. buy a squeegee, now they're a window cleaning company. And people kind of come in and out of the industry because there's a low barrier to entry. That's opportunities. So maybe you can make a list of all your competitors in your market, right? Get their contact information, get their website URL, and just start figuring out who these people are and start talking to them. You could acquire their customer list. You could buy their phone number when it goes out of business, right? That's an, that's an opportunity. Another thing to remember is you have to keep selling. People are stopping selling. And, uh, and, and that's a huge mistake. So I think one of the coolest things that people are learning right now is how important salespeople are and how important sales are. So when I grew up, sales kind of had like a dirty kind of connotation in a way or like successful people. It's like they must have done something wrong to be successful. But that's not true. Like the lifeblood of the economy is someone selling somebody something at a profit. That every dollar in everybody's pocket came because somebody sold something to another person for a profit. So you need to continue selling and be proud of the fact that you're selling, even if your close rates lower than normal, even if your call volumes lower than normal, you are helping and doing good by continuing to sell your services. Uh, and there's ways to kind of pivot your language and to reframe the way that you sell. And we can talk about that if you want. Uh, but number one, we need to quantify the problem and when, what I said by triage the, the problems, number one, make sure your family is taken care of, that you have runway and food and toilet paper. <laughs> number two, make sure the viability of your business exists. Like don't pay all of your cash to your staff if your business is going to go under and tank. Like lay off your staff, like triage and make sure the business itself is protected. And then thirdly, um, quantify the scary monster and then take action in solving the problem, whether it's to rearranging financial things, making cuts, or just more aggressively selling. There's nothing wrong with selling. And there's a lot of haters right now that are like, well, why are you trying to sell right now? Because sales is good. Selling stuff is good. Selling is serving people. And your service, whatever it is, is helping people. It's, it's putting blood into the veins of the economy. Yeah. And people are still buying too, because I have like thousands of people I'm connected with and the masses might be a little bit uh, freaked out. But all the people with these multi-million dollar businesses, they're not excited about this. Like, but they see so much opportunity in a way they're like excited about this. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I I totally agree with what you said, Josh, about the, you know, you should be selling your services still. One of the things I told my wife the other day was I'm sitting up here in this room working from home and I feel like kind of claustrophobic and locked in. I love being in the office with our staff and team and the culture. And um, I had the window open a little bit and I could hear uh, lawn care companies still working outside. And it made me feel really good because I'm like, hey, there's like still people out there getting it. They're making money. Like it actually like brought optimism to me. 
And when I see people like post these stories, you know, I follow a lot of these groups um, because this is our industry and they're saying, hey, we're cleaning this hotel because uh, the hotel's empty now. It's a $10,000 job. It's you know, going to make up for three weeks of revenue for me. And, mm-hmm. you know, I love hearing that. And there are, there are still people out there that want to buy. There's um, a lot more than people think. Yeah, there really is. So have you ever heard the quote that you can only see the world through your own lens so or through your own eyes? So for example, someone who's a thief, someone who has no integrity and they're just a, a garbage person who steals and screws people over, people like that think that everybody's going to steal from them. Mm-hmm. If you're an adulterer and you're having affairs on your spouse, then you're the kind of person that's always suspicious that your spouse is going to have an affair on you. If you think, because you're paralyzed by fear, that everyone, then you're going to think that everyone else is. That is absolutely, definitely, with certainty, not the case. I can tell you, there's basically two major camps, as far as I can tell. You have people who are totally overreacting and like freaking out, wearing full hazmat gear to get their mail. They're like walking down the driveway. There's some <laughs> of those people, and they're like calling the cops on their neighbor who has a, someone washing their house, right? You got that's true. That is a subset of people, but there's another group of people that want to give like a big middle finger to the coronavirus because they're like, screw this. This is the dumbest thing. I'm not saying who's right or wrong. I'm just saying that there's large groups of people that are like, screw this. Like they're calling you to wash your house just to give the middle finger metaphorically to the coronavirus. Like they just want to make their crazy neighbor mad. So there's buyers out there. Um, people that earn higher incomes are less affected typically by things like this. There's been massive unemployment claims, but they're not typically coming from the people who are your customers. Sometimes they are. I'm just kind of giving you the other side of the coin to look at it through. Um, And so there's opportunity. There's just opportunity, but you have to be able to see it. And you can't see it if you're paralyzed. And if you're paralyzed, it's probably because you haven't quantified the big scary monster. Like what is the actual bottom line financial impact this is going to have on me over the next 60 or 90 days, you know, like after I make cuts and move things around, you got to face that first. You'll realize it's not that scary. And then you go out and try to close the gap on that stuff. Yeah. Josh, tell me, I've heard a lot of uh, customers and businesses ask this. So I want to hear your, your advice on this. What would you say to the business that's scared to market right now because they're going to be seen as fear mongering or, you know, cause a lot of our services, our service businesses are actually set up to help with, cleaning up the situation, right? And they're afraid to send emails to their list or call people or be out there because someone's going to say, you shouldn't be working, you're endangering your employees or you're fear mongering. You know, what would you say to that business that's afraid to push their services right now? Well, I do think it's bad form to try to leverage the virus to make sales, but I think it makes perfect sense to just continue to sell as normal, but maybe change your language patterns. So I don't mean change your language patterns in your marketing like, uh, coronavirus is going to kill your family unless we wash your house. Like, obviously that's hyperbolic, but um, don't do that. But you got to reframe stuff. I'll give you an example. Two weeks ago, I was in Dallas, Texas, kind of, this was kind of happening, but it it wasn't as bad. It was like two and a half weeks ago. And there's a group of people and these are all seven figure maid service owners. And they were nervous and they're like, they wanted to send out an email to their customers about coronavirus, which how many emails have you gotten? It's like out of control, right? Like my propane delivery company sent me a coronavirus email. I'm like, I'm like, bro, just like, just fill up my propane thing and go away. Like, I don't need to know your internal policy on coronavirus, but everyone felt like this pressure to send it out. Right. Cause so at first, anyway, I, I digress. So 
here's the thing. So they wanted to say, you know, dear customers, we're, we're committed to your safety and, and the whole frame or lens that they're scoping out this email was like, please don't cancel service. Please God, give us money still because we're freaked out and our maids are freaked out and please God give us money. Now it is good to communicate with your clients, but I, ha I help them reframe what they are typing. So the email we came up with, the subject line said, um, we have some good news and we have some bad news. And then, so that's a, a curiosity based subject line, right? And then when they opened it and it didn't say coronavirus in it, it just said we have good news and bad news. And then when I opened it, it said, let's get the bad news out first. The bad news is, is that due to the amount of demand of people needing their homes disinfected and people wanting cleaning, uh, our phones are ringing a lot and our schedule is getting strained. Um, the good news is because you're already a client of ours, you still get priority scheduling and there's nothing that you need to worry about as of right now, we'll keep you posted but there's no changes that need to be made to your schedule right now. So essentially it's just a reframing, right? Is that helpful? You know what yeah, I mean? That's, that's brilliant right there. Um, so it's the lens. Everything's the lens. And because yeah. if you're in fear, you're going to write emails based on fear. If you're in fear, you think all of your customers are in fear <laughs> and it's just not true. Uh, people like Tommy Mello, who I've interviewed on my podcast, he, he has a 50 million, I think they might do $100 million this year with garage door installation. He's a friend of mine. He's a really smart guy. He built this company from nothing in less than like about 10 years. And uh, he called me a couple weeks ago and he's like, Josh, this is unbelievable, man. I'm buying up all the inventory. No one's going to get inventory. I'm making deals. You know, the Chinese shipments are stopped. This is amazing. No other garage door installer is going to have garage doors. I'm buying them all. I'm buying all my competitors. I'm buying everything. This is amazing. And it was fascinating listening to him because the frame was so different. You know, he, he's just like, and it's easy to dismiss a story like that. He's like, well, yeah, sure, Josh. You know, he's got a bajillion dollar company. It, it still applies to you even if you're the smallest company. Yeah. It's an excuse to pretend like um, another friend of mine, Nicholas Barely, said uh, that pressure doesn't create weakness. It exposes it. And so if you, and I should say that again, because that's a major mind bomb. It's a mind if bomb. You right? have no money and you're completely freaking out. It's not because of the coronavirus. It's because of a hole in your bucket. It's because of a gap in your systems. It's because honestly, most people, uh, haven't prepared for this like like they should have, right? So it's exposing weakness that was already there, but the increased pressure is squirting, you know, water out the leaks. And so we need to learn from this. But I can tell you the way to get out of it is by accepting the new reality and moving forward in action to solve the problem. The good news is most people are paralyzed. They're not going to see this video. And even the people that see the video, a tiny portion of them are actually going to take this to heart and do something about it they're going to be the ones that come out winning when it's all said and done. Right. Relationship marketing, building your network, data mining, commercial properties. You should know every single decision maker, every uh, purchasing manager at all the relevant commercial verticals for you, whether it's assisted livings or nursing homes or it's industrial or it's medical facilities. We should have that data. We should be talking to people. You might not get money from it tomorrow, but if you work these lists, you're the only one working it right now because everyone else is freaking out. And you could make hundreds of thousands of dollars next season because of it. So I went on a little bit of a rant. I did see a couple of questions in the Facebook thing too. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. One of them uh, was, do you have coronavirus? Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's... I don't think so. <laughs> but uh, John asked, 
about the new stimulus bill and unemployment and people getting paid additional money for unemployment and sick leave. And what are your thoughts on like them incentivizing employees to be uh, unemployed essentially? And, you know, this isn't just John, I've heard this from actually a couple really successful business owners because they have so much demand for their service. They have a lot of employees and they're kind of freaked out that, Hey, I think there's gonna be a ton of opportunity here when we get through these things and there's going to be a ton of demand, but how am I going to get people back to work if they're getting paid a thousand bucks, you know, a week to stay at home. So, you know, what are your thoughts on that? And thanks John for that question. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I don't know the, the nuance and intricacies of that specific bill. I know that um, it may force employers, really small employers to pay people. Uh, like I think it's up to two weeks or something of, of extra pay, even if they're not working and then get it back in a tax credit. I think that's the, the, the main piece of the one you're talking about, correct? Um, which is terrible. It's horrible for small businesses owners. You know, there's 28 million small businesses in the United States and like 22 million out of those are like two weeks away from overdrafting their checking account. And that was like a stat from two years ago. So these people are already walking the razor's edge and it is going to be really freaking hard and, or just it's impossible for a lot of them to actually pay and then try to get a tax credit a year later to get their money back. So if there's no money, there's no money. I think people need to seek out um, debt refinancing. There's SBO disaster loan uh, things. There's actually three different levels to these disaster loan too. You have local, there's local programs, even grants. There's state programs and then you have the federal, right? You need to be on this stuff. Like get your taxes done, get your returns done, get, get your books in order, like figure it out, watch a YouTube video, build your first P&L and apply for all this stuff because the money's there, especially after the new thing that they're passing. But in general, I think it's terrible to incentivize people not to work. Um, and I can see how that could potentially happen. I hope that that's not the case. Um, so really, I guess my point, the pain is real. Like the economic impact is real. It's not fake. And I'm not suggesting being optimistic or looking for opportunities means that none of this is happening because that's insane. What I'm saying is while this is happening and while we define the big scary monster and fully acknowledge that this is happening and we make actual lifestyle adjustments and business adjustments while we're doing that because we're big boys and girls, we still run towards opportunities. Once we accept that this is the new normal for right this second and we, and we stop complaining about the fact that it happened, only then can we really move forward, right? And that's what, what I want to encourage people to do is to get to that place to be able to move forward. Get to the place where you, you leverage ROI on the time right now. I mean, think about families, for example, like everybody's locked in their house together. You're forced to spend time with your wife. You're forced to spend time with your kids. There's massive financial pressure. You would think that that's a great time for family to reconnect. The opposite's actually happening. In fact, some new statistics came out of China where the divorce rates have skyrocketed after the quarantine. And divorce attorneys in the United States and in Europe anticipate the same thing. Why? Well, because again, pressure doesn't create weakness. It exposes weakness. And so families that have to uh, spend time together, the problems were already there, right? Running a business is hard. Being married is hard. Being a parent is hard. And there's a lot of pressure on it right now. And so there's water springing out of all of those different relationships. And I just want to encourage people to chill out, do an actual logic-based assessment, not just of your business, but really of your family too, and let's try to be proactive and fix some of these things and learn from it going forward. Absolutely. Uh, and I want to come back to that, Josh, because I know you're working on something in that area, but I also want to get to uh, the questions here. Um, 
Elena asked, you know, how do you deal with or, or help people or speak to them or just deal with it in general when uh, you have friends and families that you know are close to that are losing everything or their business because they weren't prepared or their business was too immature to, to survive? How do I deal with it? Is that what the question yeah, was? Yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah, how do you deal with all this happening? With empathy and compassion and a broken heart, right? Some people are going to be completely wiped out because of this. Um, unfortunately, a large, my opinion is that a large portion of the people that are wiped out a large portion didn't have to be wiped out if they're a little more scrappy, if they applied more grit, if they got more creative, if they didn't give up hope. I mean, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. That's actually a Bible scripture. If you don't see a light at the end of the tunnel, you're not going to take action and therefore it creates self-fulfilling prophecy and your business is screwed, right? Like if you're overreacting or quickly shutting things down, that's bad. Now, some people are being optimistic and they do have the grit and it's still going to fall apart. That, that's a reality too. So you approach it with empathy and compassion and you help where you can, right? I mean, you love on them. You pray for them. Um, there's no magic wand. This is a new normal. This is a major thing. Yeah. In the midst of it, though, for most people, I think there's ways to pivot. There's ways to be creative. There's ways to get scrappy. There's, there's opportunities for you and your spouse to look at all the holes and to say, all right, like, what can we do different next time, right? Because the time to prepare for this was like two years ago. Like we should have been setting aside cash reserves and we weren't. We should have been uh, building systems and having a stronger team culture. We should have been uh, understanding our numbers, our metrics, and our financials at a deeper level. We should have been marketing harder. We should have done a lot of things, but we can't go back in time. You know, the, the, the best time to plant a tree is 100 years ago, and the second yeah. best time is today, right? The Chinese proverb. So that's the reality. You know, and if people around you are crumbling, that sucks and we love them and we need to help and serve them. But don't let that happen to you. Like do everything in your power and go down swinging um, because there is still a market. I know Elena actually, she asked that question, but she had a really awesome um, pivot in her business. I don't think it was some magical unicorn where she made a million dollars from it, but she has a large company with a, a huge team. And she offered a grocery delivery service. So she took her maids and her maid service company and had them go do grocery shopping and they got some orders. That is her being proactive leader. That's what it is. People like Elena do things like that. And what I'm suggesting is be like Elena. Elena, that's awesome because that's so far, like people say think out of the box, but that's like so far out of the box. Like it had nothing to do with home service. Like you took the assets you had, which was your team and you like completely pivoted i mean that's elena's never even had a box i don't think she even knows what a box <laughs> is she's pretty awesome she did say that she likes her family that she's discovered that but she doesn't like her cooking <laughs> <laughs> you can't have it all elena you can't have it all oh man well josh tell us about what you are doing i know you talked about families and you're talking about exposing pressures and whatnot my wife and i were just talking about this um and how all of this time together uh, with all these different, you know, uh, just different dynamics with people not going to work and so forth, so on and so forth. Like Josh, tell us what you're doing. And um, I know you're working on something around that area. And I, I think it was completely irrelevant to the coronavirus. It was just, yeah. just happened to be something well, like passionate. for anybody that's married and either has kids or wants to have kids, like, you know 
how intricately connected your, your relationship at home bleeds in and is integrated with the success in your company, right? So like your spouse will either hold you down like an anchor around your ankle or they can be the rocket fuel inside your rocket and maybe it's a combination, right? Um, but like having a successful business without burning your personal life to the ground, it is possible to do that. There are really good families that raise honorable, respectable kids who are financially responsible, like, they, they, but they're also really financially successful. Oh, and they're not evil and they didn't do anything wrong to attain their success. Like that's a real thing, but it, it comes through um, looking at your family kind of through the same lens that a CEO looks at their business. Uh, everybody watching this, your family is already fully systemized, just like your business is. And this is kind of like a mind bomb because you're like, okay, well, but Josh, after I reach a certain level of success, after I'm not financially stressed out, then I'm going to circle back. I'm going to be the exemplary husband. I'm going to be the rock star dad that coaches T-ball and all this stuff. Uh, but it's just, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, what's it called? Not a delusion. It's a, it's, it's a false thing. It's uh, yeah. faulty. What's the logic word? This is going to drive me insane. I don't know, but I know what you're saying. It's like when I get that car, I'll be happy. And when I get this house or buy that or. Pay right. that. The truth is, is that you don't compartmentalize your family, your friends and your business. You integrate. Right. Uh, so what we help people do, I mean, I have five kids. We've lived in two different countries. We've built and sold three different businesses. And we've made all kinds of mistakes. I've had cars repossessed. I've been totally upside down financially multiple times. We've had lots of pain and suffering and lots of success all mixed together while we're trying to raise five kids and do all this stuff. And what we've learned is that there's a lot of pain in relationships, a lot of pain in the family, specifically for small business owners, because there's so much extra uncertainty when you run a business. You know, normal people don't understand any of you guys. They really don't. We, we call them normies because they don't know what it's like to jump off a cliff and build a plane on the way down. Like that's what growing your business feels like. They don't, they don't understand. The people that are telling you, oh, go get a real job. They don't understand. Like you're not designed to get a real job. You're designed to crush it with your business, figure it out, find a way, persevere. But I also know that you want to do the same thing at home. You want to raise kids that are just phenomenal. You want to be hyper connected to your wife. You want to become a wrecking ball power couple. And there's really simple ways to do that. And basically what Ashley and I are doing is we're doing a 10 day branded family challenge. Uh, it's, there's nothing like this. That's why we created it. Uh, we're going to help these entrepreneurial families not only get more connected than they've ever been before, we're going to help them define their, their, their family's core values. We're going to help you define a family birthright, which is like a document, a manifesto proclaiming like who you are, where you're going, who you're fighting against, why it matters, and how you're going to get there. And this is something your kids can memorize. We're going to help you create a family brand. We even have family logos. We have everything. We treat our family like a brand, right? Like people wear Adidas or they wear Under Armour. Like we wear Latimer stuff. Why do we do it? It's not just to be cheesy. It's because I want my kids to know who they are. And if we don't tell our kids who they are, the world's going to do it for us. And I ain't going to let that happen. So Basically, it's like 15 minutes a day. There's simple daily challenges where we kind of challenge you to define these things and we help you through it. There's a little community of other entrepreneurial families going through it. It starts on Monday, actually. It's only 19 bucks to do it. And if you can't afford the 19 bucks, you can actually just private message me and you can have it for free. Um, we charge 19 bucks for only one reason. And it's because uh, people who don't pay don't pay attention. 
So they need to pay something so that they're like, do it because we want you to get a result. But if you genuinely can't afford 19 bucks, that's fine. You don't have to feel bad about it at all. Message me, we'll add you into the challenge. But if you do have 19 bucks, pay the 19 bucks, join the challenge. Uh, it actually turned out to be kind of perfect in a way because there's so many cracks being exposed because people are forced to be together. Um, and so I think it's going to be really, really powerful. And to you're sign up. Me, you're telling me for 10, uh, you said 15 minutes a day for 10 days, right? Yeah. And I'm going to feel more connected to my spouse than ever before. I mean, how, I mean, why wouldn't I do that? <laughs> well, because you don't believe it. That's why people wouldn't do it. Cause they think that, you know, there's nothing more they can do. Like we believe things that are false. Yeah. Um, but what we do, and this isn't something we just came up with, like these systems have been developed by me working with over a thousand entrepreneurial families over the last seven years. Um, and there's patterns, right? So for example, like communication is really, really tough in relationships in general, but with business owners, it's even, there's more nuance to it, right? Because maybe the husband's entrepreneur, maybe the wife stays at home. It can be vice versa, of course, but let's just say that that's the case. And you're used to being the boss, you're in charge, you get to like, like impose your vision on the people around you and, and they all have to do what you say, but then you come home and maybe you run your household the same way. That can cause a lot of conflict, right? And then maybe you interpret the resistance as my wife doesn't support me, blah, 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 which isn't true. Like there's just little things that need to be tweaked, conversations that have to be had and systems that have to be installed to fix it. Another one is sparking deeper connection with your kids. So, you know, I'm a business coach. People pay us thousands of dollars to coach them. Uh, I, I do the same thing with my children. Like there's structured accountability and coaching, very simple stuff, very age appropriate. That is like radically life-changing for kids. We have too low of expectations on our kids. We think that our job as parents is to let them have this magical childhood and, and like have like no pain. That's not true. Like the purpose of childhood is to prepare you to be an adult that crushes it, who's a leader and a world changer. So we need to get on it. Like even when they're young, this is who you are. This is where you're going. This is what you were made to do but it's useful to define those things up front. Like, what are your core values? You know, what does your family stand for? What would you die on a hill for? And so we help you figure out how to actually pull that stuff out, document it. We'll help you get a family logo. And then we also put you in a community with other people that have, are like-minded, right? Yeah. And think the same kind of way. Yeah, I love it. Um, you know, one of the things that I think I personally struggle with is like with business, like I'm a numbers person. And so I'm constantly like, you know, with the business, I've got numbers, I've got goals. And like, I can see the cause and effect of what I do and how the numbers change and vice versa. And like, there's always a timeline, right? Like a good goal is a smart goal. It's got a timeline, it's measurable. And so like with those smart goals in business, like I'm motivated to hit them because they're documented and, and whatnot. But like in my family, it's always like, well, I could do that tomorrow. I'll do that, you know, later because I don't have that smart goal. I don't have the, the numbers there. Like, and so that's what I struggle with. And um, the thing I like about what you're talking about is this gives you like, it's a challenge, right? There's 10 days, you're documenting all of this, these steps, you've done it for us. And now like, we've got a structure to go hit that. And it's going to be done in this time period. It's kind of like putting that smart goal around all these things I should do that I'll never do if I don't have someone. You can, have, you can have KPIs for your family. People yeah, don't realize this. You, why wouldn't you, right? Yeah. There's all kinds of stuff. And then um, setting targets, you know, if I ask people, here's a really interesting one. I'll ask a husband, what does your wife want? And he'll give me an answer. And then I'll ask the, the wife, 
what do you want? And it's a completely different answer. <laughs> That's the problem, right? Like, and they don't mean to not know. There's just a breakdown because of the busy, busyness of life. This is an opportunity to hyper communicate, which is powerful and amazing. We also, you know, even like, <laughs> I don't know, it, it's, it's amazing. We've done these before. People cry, they laugh, it's awesome. You can go to honorandfire.com forward slash challenge if you want to get it. I put a link in the thing. But I just want to generally encourage people to uh, run towards the storm, as Elena Lado famously says, be a buffalo, right? A bu buffalo run towards the storm. Cows run away from the storm. And because cows run away, they get stuck in the storm for two or three times longer than they need to because they're trying to run away from it. Instead, you need to turn around, square up, and, and punch it in the mouth and run right towards it. That would be my encouragement. It's not blowing smoke up your butt. It's not trying to be fake optimistic. I'm just telling you, define the scary monster, turn around, run towards it. If you have, if the pressure has caused breaks in your family, be a man or woman, woman of action and imperfectly try to fix it. Join the challenge, get some value out of it. It could change your life. Do stuff. Get an ROI during this crazy, insane time that we're going to be talking about for the next 50 years. Yeah. Josh, thank you so much for joining us. I know your time's valuable and we really appreciate it. Um, and sign me up. I'm going to be on the challenge. <laughs> we'll see you in there, Daniel. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. If you're ready to go even deeper, go to Facebook and search for The Growth Fall. It's a free community with thousands of other business owners just like you. I'll see you next time on The Growth Fall. Oh, 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 oh,